0: Now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist, Scott Sharp.
1: Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back once again.
0: Thank you, thank you. It's uh, a little bit chilly out there. I wonder how the plants are feeling that today. i we'll to have to put some blankets or put a scarf around the blankets yeah, today. The electric blanket underneath them, give them a bit of a boost, a bit of a warm-up. Warm up the soil? Yes, very nice thing for them. Can you do that? I don't think so, but you can chill oh. the soil off for oranges. Oh, okay. Yeah, we often get asked about that. You just put bags of ice in the soil? Yeah, apparently so, yeah. chills them off and you get nicer tasting oranges.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah.
0: But you can't warm up. No. It's not fair. Yeah. Scotch up, what have you got for us today? I thought we'd talk about uh, the fennel plant. Had some in a lovely dish last night. Uh, lavender, a good uh, time to get ready to plant that. And also birdscaping gardens.
1: Birdscaping gardens. Yes, how to
0: get birds into your garden. Right.
1: Just throw out birdseed, seed, don't you?
0: Oh, look, it's a little bit more complex than that. You want native birds as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, not a crow. A
1: variety. Yeah. <laughs> if you have any questions for Scotch Shops 2, you can give us a call, 49216216. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 FM, And we've got George from New Lambton, and he's got a question about passion fruit. Hello, George. How can we help you?
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> is it true that you need two passion fruit vines next
0: to each other? No, look, that that's not entirely true. Of course, it, it doesn't hurt. Uh, but most of the passion fruits you buy now on the market are those grafted passion fruits, you know, the, the Nellie Kelly ones and their yeah. different varieties.
2: Unfortunately, we didn't get a grafted one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so look, you don't really need them and they'll still fruit and flower really really well. Uh, Of course it does help and, and the bees love to get into the passion fruit flower as well and spread the pollen around, so good for them. Wouldn't that be great to have passion fruit tasting honey? That'd be brilliant! Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd definitely buy it. I'd definitely buy it as well. So, if you, any bees out there listening, can you just <laughs> head <laughs> head down to George's uh, passion fruit vine in no- New Lambton and uh, have a go there? Uh, so, and, uh, also, um, how much sun do they need? Yeah, look, they really do require full sun, and, and that's just the nature of the plant. They're they're a climber, so they're always going to be heading up uh, as, to get as much sun as they can, trying to you know grow up a tree or grow over a trellis or a shed or something to try and get in that full sun. And what you find is if you've got the fruit on there uh, and they're not in the full sun, they just don't ripen up as well and you don't get that really nice sweet taste that you get uh, in in the passion fruit that you want. Uh, Look, I've got my next-door neighbour. We've got sort of two competing plants at the moment. He's got a passion fruit. I've got a lily-pilly hedge and uh, his passion fruit's just going up through my lily-pilly hedge to try and get up to the sun. So... Uh, You really need to get them in the full sun uh, as much as possible to get that fruit nice and sweet tasting.
2: So how far apart can I grow them about 9 or 12 inches apart?
0: Oh, yeah, look, yeah, you can certainly put those, uh, you know, two plants in, you know, almost side by side if you want to. Probably not that close, um, you know, together. Uh, because what will happen, they'll just grow up the trellis or whatever you have got, and they'll just intertwine, you know, between themselves, and you won't really know that there's, you know, two plants there. For all intents and purposes, you'll have one plant, uh, you know, growing up and over, and you'll just be getting the passion fruit off both.
2: Yeah, listen, let's see. The, the other one we had for years died... They're only
0: good for about, what, three or five years? Yeah, look, they are only a short-lived plant. So my recommendation to people is, uh, you know, 18 months to two years down the track, uh, you plant another one nearby and just let it go, and then the old one will die over time and the new one will take off and then mark your calendar for a couple of years hence and let it grow up as well. So you've just got this continuous passion fruit vine. Now, people often ring up uh, in winter and say that, uh, you know, there's plenty of fruit on their vine at the moment. Uh, but what's going to happen is it's just not going to ripen up uh, because there's not enough sunlight at the moment, it's too cold. Uh, so you might as well start picking that fruit off and uh, thinning it out and letting the uh, plant sort of regenerate, get itself uh, together again for when we get to August, September and let it start growing and fruiting then.
2: So this one is only about a foot high it's got Hoover leaves on it should
0: we cut the lower leaves off oh no no look just just let them go let them go naturally don't worry about cutting those lower leaves off
2: okay right the and more the water. more the,
0: the more the merrier at the moment you want it to grow 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 and get up there and get ready to fruit for you great
2: thanks a lot scott bye
0: that's all right george have a nice afternoon mate thank you
1: cheers thanks george we've got tom now from aberglassen and he wants to know, or what soil do you put in of large pots? Hey, Tom, how can we Good help you?
2: Good afternoon, gentlemen. Yes, I've got a number of large concrete pots, and I want to start growing things in them. It's going to cost me a fortune in potting mix. If I just go to a garden nursery and get a trailer load of what sort of soil, do I get organic soil and just add, um, like, uh, Um, osmocote or fertiliser is
0: that okay? Yeah you you can certainly do that Tom. Uh, A lot of uh, landscape supply places also have bulk potting mix as well that you can go and buy by the scoop Uh, It's usually a little bit more expensive than buying, uh, you know, just a a scoop of garden soil, but it is better. It's formulated to drain properly. And that's often your biggest problem if you just go and put garden soil uh, into large pots like that. They don't drain very well. Uh, There's usually a lot of sand uh, to pack up and create that, uh, you know, that garden soil sandy loam uh, is obviously very cheap and they use that to to make that garden soil up. And what happens, it compacts over time and then clogs up the holes in the bottom and you get drainage problems. So even if you are uh, going to, you know, go and try and get some garden soil to use, I would definitely get some, uh, you know, some rocks, uh, some sort of pebbles to put a a layer in the base of the pot so you still have adequate drainage in there. Um, Definitely don't put mesh or anything over the holes. Leave any holes in the pot open so that it can free drain. But those rocks over there will help the drainage. Uh, And look, the other thing you could do as well is get some you know, a couple of bags of pine bark if you wanted to and mix that through the garden soil. That would certainly help the drainage. Uh, you obviously wouldn't make it too barky, but uh, it just opens it up, aerates that uh, that uh, garden soil a little bit and allows it to drain away as well.
2: Right. And I'd have to add some uh, Osmocote or something like slow-release fertiliser, wouldn't I? Because that wouldn't be in the
0: bulk potty mix, would it? No, no, it's no. not. So you can certainly yeah. do that. Uh, you yeah. can get one of those dynamic lifter-style uh, yeah. uh, pellets and add those in as well. But often the, uh, the Osmocote-style one is, is the, uh, you know, those little pellets that you get. They release over, you know, three to six to nine months, depending on which one you get. Uh, yeah. And you just mix that through the soil and let it go. But your drainage, mate, is your most important thing uh, to try and get some, uh, you know, rubble or something down the bottom there uh, so that uh, you don't have any drainage problems in the future.
2: Right. And is it too too late to plant sweet pea seeds? Uh, look,
0: it's probably getting a little bit late now. Let me think yeah. about that. They'll germinate in two to three weeks. Uh, look, you could probably still grow them. Uh, right. yeah, yeah, there's no real issue. Um, it's the humidity that knocks the sweet peas around, so you'll probably right. have them up and flowering, uh, you know, before we hit the uh, warmer months again. The warmer months. Yeah. Okay,
2: thanks very much okay. for your help.
0: Good on you, Tom. Thanks for that.
2: Thanks.
0: Bye. Bye. Yes, thanks,
1: Tom. It's Guarding Talk Back on 2NYRFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And we've got Graham from Coal Points, and he needs some advice about harvesting macadamia nuts.
0: Hey, Graham, how can we help you? Good morning, Scott.
2: Yes, uh, I've got
3: a uh, couple of trees of macadamia nuts, but I've never been able to uh, process the, the fruit. Um, I pick them and get the outer husk on, but I'm not sure what to do after that, Scott. Can you help me on that at all?
0: Uh, look, I'm no no great expert on uh, the harvesting of the nut. But I know about eating them. That's always a good thing to do. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> and that's what you want to do as well, by the that's sounds correct, of things. Correct. Yeah, I used to go uh, to a macadamia. Uh, nut farm up around Alstonville yeah. and they, well, it was a palm nursery as well at the time okay. but I loved it because I'd turn up up there and they'd say, oh do you want some macadamia nuts? And you go, yeah fantastic and they'd just go get a big plastic shopping bag yeah. and they had this husker that they ran it through. It was okay. like two rollers they just tipped all the nuts in yeah. and it just rolled it through and, and cracked all the nuts and then you could eat them raw uh, as I drove back down the coast oh, it nice. was fantastic. you yeah. sit with a bag next to you and that's right. It was. I had like a kilo of macadamia nuts that I, <laughs> I could just munch away at. So they used to use this big roller thing to, yeah. uh, to try and break the husk because they are really, really tough nuts to break. And I think that's where we get the saying from. <laughs>
3: Breaking Bregan, is not my problem. I thought you had to heat them and cook them.
0: Well, yes. Look, you can eat them raw uh, yeah. or you can roast them as well. And I think that's as simple as you know putting them in the oven on a, on a roasting tray yeah. and just putting them in there for a few minutes and just letting them uh, you know colour up a little bit okay yeah so you can salt them you can put honey on them whatever you want to do with them and look it's the same with all nuts yep. uh, but yeah most people have trouble with the macadamia nut actually uh breaking the husk oh, your break is not a problem i can do that fine yeah. that's fine how bigs your uh, trees
3: grown? oh they'd be about uh, uh four or five meters
0: oh okay so they're, they're fully grown they're then.
3: fairly mature yeah they're yeah. about um, eight to ten year old and they drop a lot of nuts but i never get any um edible um results from them.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well look what, you just don't like the taste of the raw nut or uh, well
3: look I, I cracked the I crack the nuts at me always seem to be dry, so I just thought they might have had to be heated first to release the the, the fruit
0: away from the shell. Do you know. No, no. Look, and my, my memory again from driving down the coast with my you know plastic shopping bag was yeah. that they were they were you know completely edible even though they were you know that soft okay. um, raw nut. But yep. and then I've you know obviously had them oh. roasted as well and you'd get that different taste to them. But yeah, look, no, they they were fine. Uh, coming off the tree. I'm, I'm wondering one, why that's happening in particular with your two plants. It's uh... I don't
3: know. See, what happens, I get when they drop on the ground, I, I break the outer husk and let them dry out for a few weeks. Yes. And then uh, I, I was always hoping that by doing that I'd be able to eat the fruit, but I've, I've been told, no, maybe you've got to eat them up.
0: Yeah, I, that, I wonder if that, that you said they're letting it dry out for a few yeah. weeks. I wonder if that's your problem there. Maybe you should be, because, again, my memory was that you... Bam! They were they were cracked for me, and mm-hmm. they were finished by the time I got back down to Newcastle. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering oh. if you letting them dry out like that is mm, is, is the problem? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Anyway,
0: thanks, Scott. Okay, good to talk to you, Graeme. Cheers, mate, bye. Thank you. Hope we got to the uh, bottom of that for Graeme then. hopefully, yeah, yeah. You do not want to go past good macadamia nuts, though. Eh? Oh no, you don't. Um, you know they're not cheap, but uh, they do taste good. The, apparently, the uh, the Hawaiians and the Americans generally try and claim the macadamia nut as being native to their country oh, I mean, to so, both yeah well it's in fact native to Australia well
1: isn't it if it's a wine then it's the state of America well yes I want to get real technical <laughs>
0: okay but uh, yeah look it's, it's just they are Australian nuts they're native here to Australia so you know trying to claim them we don't like that Americans we don't like that we're not no. going to stand for it well are there are there two different versions are there American macadamians no, no, there's only Australian macadamians. It's almost an act of aggression
1: on their behalf. It is. Yes. It's almost invade. Almost a part of invasion. <laughs> well, we'll deal with it. <laughs> we'll sort it out. I'll tell you what they are good as well. They've roasted, and then you toss them through some maple syrup. Ooh, that
0: sounds very good. Very Delish. Good. Yeah, okay. Um, I wonder how they go with the uh, passion fruit honey we were talking about. That would be a real mix of, well, of flavours. Yeah. That is a combo. Yeah, maybe too much. <laughs> it's a game changer.
1: <laughs> We've got Danny from Macquarie Hills, and he's got a question about ginger. Uh, Danny,
4: how can we help you? Yeah, I, I grow a bit of a bit of ginger, mm. and normally it's really flourishing at this time of year and nice and green and you know half a metre to a metre high. This year, they, they yeah, they're yellowing off and just doesn't seem to be growing as well as the normal year. Just wondering whether anyone had the same problem.
0: Yeah, that that's unusual. So you've just got your Galangal ginger in there to you know to harvest for food, have you? Or for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. cooking. Yeah, so that should uh, tolerate growing down here, uh, you know, in Newcastle in the temperate climates. Most gingers and flowering gingers are, uh, of course, tropical plants, and they do need the warmer weather to survive. But the one you're growing should be fine, uh, you know, growing yeah. down here. Uh, I wonder if it's worth thinning out the uh, your ginger patch a little bit. Have you got it just in in the ground?
4: Yeah, it's in the ground against. It faces northeast against the shed, like a, a stable.
0: Yeah, good, good uh, place it's nice for it. Warm
4: spot and, like normally, it, it just flourishes. Uh, Dan- I've done everything the same this year.
0: Yeah, Danny, what are you feeding it with?
4: Uh, a bit of chook manure. Yep, yeah. and and then a uh, multi grower, like a complete fertilizer.
0: Yeah, look, that should be fine. the The truckman you will give it plenty of nitrogen to uh, get those uh, you know leaves nice and green. I wonder because it's, if it's a, you know it's a, obviously a root based plant, uh, if you should be giving it some sea salt as well to try and promote that root growth in there. I also got a little worm farm. Yeah.
4: Would the, the worm worm juice and that sort of thing be um, equivalent to, to sea salt or not.
0: Uh, look, I'd give it a go. Uh, I'm a great um, fan of worm juice. I, I remember doing some, you know, little basic sort of studies on it back in the day, uh, you know, just a couple of uh, test plants using with and without, and the the uh, results when you're using worm juice are quite amazing. So I, I'm a big fan of it. I'd certainly give that a go and, and see how you go with it, Danny. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah,
4: I'll just. Wondering whether
0: anyone
4: else had the same problem. Like, um, is it
0: just that type of year, or? Yeah. Well, look, hopefully people are listening, and if they do have any uh, anything to add, they can give us a call, and we'll uh, pass that on to you. Very good. Okay. Okay, man. Thanks, Thanks for for that. That, Danny. Cheers. We had speaking of ginger, yeah. uh, made pineapple fritters right the other weekend. Fantastic. Cardamom, ginger. Uh, in the in the batter, a little bit of shredded coconut. Just absolutely stunning. But, you know, just like going down to the fish and chip shop, but with all these sort of, you know, wonderful spices in there. Really nice. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And done it all yourself, so. Yeah, did it all ourselves. So. A bit better. Where do you get shredded coconut from? Just from the supermarket.
1: Just any supermarket. Any supermarket. And Excellent. Yeah. Speaking of, other callers coming in. We had a gram about macadamians before. Apparently someone's mentioned that you can use a workbench to open up macadamia nuts.
0: Yeah, well, you could do that, couldn't you? I? remember getting, it, side, yeah, yeah, it'd be a
1: bit slow though, wouldn't it? I wonder oh, if so many cranks of the wheel. And
0: yeah, I guess so. I wonder how you could do it in bulk. There must be some way you could do it in bulk, you know, so you can get a whole lot in there and then squash them all at once rather than doing, doing one, one at a time. time. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit slow, isn't it? It'll be a big day, a big afternoon.
1: Yeah, it would be. <laughs> we got Phil now from Newcastle, and he wants to build a garden bed. Hello,
0: Phil. How can we help you?
4: I'm looking at putting or building a new garden bed in springtime so about two metres long by a metre and a half high Yes. And, and lining with plastic at the bottom. I'm wondering whether I'm better off to design something so I irrigate from the bottom or should I irrigate from the top?
0: And how deep did you say it was going to be again, Phil?
4: About one and a half Yeah, metres.
0: look, I'd definitely irrigate from the top in that sort of situation. Yeah, I, I think that one and a half's just yeah, a little bit too deep. To, if you're going to, depending what you're going to plant, of course. Uh, but yeah. I, I think irrigating from the top in that situation's a, a lot better way to go. Now the other thing, hey. Phil, I'd be can, you know just be mindful, uh, you know, using plastic down the bottom. You don't want to create a, a sort of a pool or a ponding situation where you know soil down there is constantly wet and going sour. Um, right. I, I wonder if you're better to use uh, you oh. know like one of those. Uh, Sort of material should get from the hardware, uh, you know, that actually lets moisture go through. It stops, it won't actually let uh, the soil go through, but it lets moisture go through as well. Or pebbles, maybe? Yeah, look, certainly some pebbles down there for drainage, that's always a good idea.
4: Okay, wonderful. Really appreciate your help. Thank you. Okay,
0: thanks for that, Phil.
1: Cheers. Cheers, Bye -bye. bye bye. You can smash up a brick as well. Use bits of broken
0: bricks. broken bricks. You could do that too. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of that uh, material. You can get from the hardware shop. Someone will probably ring in and tell us. But uh, it's like a, a fabric, like a G, um, ga mesh fabric. That might be right what on. it's called. There we go. Answer my own question. You got there eventually. It I was, did. Had to work it out. It was nice watching the thought process to take place. <laughs> there <though. laughs> had to tease it out. It's almost <laughs> like using a workbench then on a macadamia nut to get the answer out. <laughs> We've got Brian now
1: from Spears Point. He's got a question about non-fruiting fruit trees. Hello, Brian. How can we help you?
3: got a few uh, fruit trees. I've got a mandarin tree that hasn't fruited for about five years and uh, some apple trees.
0: Okay. How, how, do you, how do you normally go with your apple trees down here?
3: Uh, they did fruit when I first put them in, but that has a couple of years ago, so I haven't fruited for a while.
0: Okay. What are you feeding them, Brian?
3: Oh, just normal uh, uh, with potash and that.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. So, look, sulphate of potash is, is really important to use uh, on your fruit trees to try and get that fruiting and flowering. Steer clear of... Uh, oh, you got a mandarin, so you could be using some poultry manure on that as well if you'd like to. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely use that uh, with your apple trees. Now you're always going to struggle to get an apple to to fruit and get a nice crisp apple here on the coast uh, because they are a cold climate tree. That's why oh, okay. they're growing west of the range. But certainly give it a give it a crack. Um, you know, you had some success, and sometimes it just comes down to the the climate for the year. Uh, look, I'd be giving them some cow manure as well, just to uh, try and boost them up a little bit. All right then. Okay, well, good luck with that, Brian. Uh, I think you'll probably have a little bit more luck with your mandarin tree. It uh, might also be worth giving it a light prune back as well because that would promote new growth, and that's where uh, the mandarin and all citrus trees flower on the new growth. So if you've got a, you know, a tree that's sort of three, four metres high, uh, it's just going to fruit and flower up the top, so you might as well give it a good cut back and uh, see how you go. All right, then. Thank you for
4: your
1: time. Okay, good on you, Brian. Thanks for the call. It's gardening talk back on to nurfm If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, four nine two one six two one six. Got time for a couple more calls, and we've got Angela from Merryweather. Now, you've mentioned this at the Topio about birdscaping. She wants to get involved, but she's worried about minor birds. Oh, Angela, what? Oh, what are you worried about?
4: Oh well, they uh, tend to do a lot of pooping everywhere. <laughs>
0: That's that's a nice way of putting it isn't it but uh, so you're talking about our little sort of yellow-faced grey minor birds are you That's correct
4: the Indian
0: minor birds. Oh the Indian minor birds yeah now they are bad news so they okay. yeah so our little sort of yellow-eyed uh, noisy miners they're they're a native bird from you know Queensland all the way down the east coast but unfortunately yeah, we do have that invasive uh, you know Indian minor bird species I know uh, I've got them in my yard uh, I have a dog yeah and i just yes. can 't leave pet food out because they know they 're
4: I think that 's what they 're doing they 're eating the dog food from next door mm. and they hang their bottom over my side of the fence
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah look i 've got to give it to them they, they are disgusting they they 're like a little pack animal. Uh, they one will come out. It's like they send out the you know the, the cockatoo and it'll come in and, and find what's going on and then call the rest of the flock in and before you know it, there's sort of twenty birds there trying to eat the dog's food and the dogs given up on even chasing them now uh, because yeah. they they just outwit the dog. So all I can recommend there is just trying to keep uh, you know pet food uh, you know any sort of bread or anything like that away. Have a talk to your neighbour as well, see if they can. Uh, you know, try and keep yeah. that pet food away. And and I've noticed that uh, they're not as prevalent uh, at my place as they were. Um, they'll yeah. still, um, you know, soil the washing every now and again. And you know, I get cranky with them and want to do yeah. bad things to them.
4: So, uh, so, insofar as native birds that are attracted by the birdscaping, the plants, are they do they deter those birds? Do the, the Indian minor birds deter the natives?
0: Well, I think the bird bird you do want to attract is the noisy miner, the little uh, yellow-eyed guy, because they come in to eat nectar, you know, if you're putting in uh, lily pillies, uh, you know, flowering gum trees... Uh, you know yep. they're going to come in and uh, eat that and they can be quite an aggressive bird as well in their own way but okay. they're, they're native birds and so uh, okay. you know, they're not going to go down and eat the pet food and you know, try and do all those sort of bad things uh, okay. so they'll certainly do that I reckon uh, trying to get a couple of magpies around the place as well is a good idea uh, yep,
4: we've got magpies. We've got um, we've got quite a few birds, but
0: the, the Indian miners. Have, and I really feel it's the dog food. Mm. Well, look, I, I, food I would agree with you about that. I've also heard a story, and I'm not sure if it's true. But uh, you know, our little Rosellas or Laura Keats. Apparently, yes. for some reason, they keep Indian miners away. And I'm happy to have someone to to call in and correct me about that, or give me some further information. But uh, that that's just a you know a rumor I heard out in the grapevine. <laughs>
4: Um, yeah, down, yeah. You know,
0: down at the pub, sort of thing. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm happy to to know about that. But certainly, I know I've got Rosellas that come into, or Lorikeets into my I think they're two different birds, and I'm probably going to get corrected about that as well. They're We're, definitely two different birds. Thank you. I just got, I just got corrected about that. Uh, I've got uh, Lorikeets um, coming into my tree out the front, and I don't seem to get uh, Indian miners in there. So there could be some truth to that as well.
4: I'm glad you've confirmed what I, my yeah. suspicion
0: was. But certainly trying to get those native birds back, uh, a good idea you get your noisy miners in, maybe the uh, the lorikeet slash rosella a um, couple of magpies and uh, yep. yeah, hopefully those um, Indian miners will get chased out of town Yes,
4: fingers crossed, thank you so much for Okay,
0: thank you Angela, good to talk to you Good,
4: to, bye bye, thank bye
0: bye. Bye. you They're bullies too, those Indian oh. miner birds. Oh they are, aren't they? And the way they are, they're like a pack animal, they, they come in and they, they really attack and yeah, my dog's given up. The uh, the cats don't even worry about them too much anymore. So They
1: go after magpies as well every now and then. If there's one magpie on their own, oh, okay. they'll, if there's a heap of those minor birds, they'll chase it.
0: You know, they're brave birds, because magpies, they've got big beaks. Mm. Yeah,
1: Or even every now and then. Although, walking up through here, there's a lot of birds here at the university. Yes. And the, one of the funniest things I've seen is this big crow just chasing after one minor bird, like oh. hot on its tail. <laughs> Very good. Well, it made me smile anyway. We've got Lynn now from Chisholm, and she's got a question about the potted lemon tree. Hello, Lynn. How can we help you?
3: Hi, Scott. Um, I have a lemon tree in a large pot. Yes. Um, It fruits for me quite regularly. Um, I've recently had about 12 lemons off it. But it's now covered in flowers and bees, and I don't actually want to prune it, but I believe
0: now is probably the time to prune. Yes, look, now, now would be the time to give it a light prune. Uh,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you, you might find anyway that those lemons, even if they were to come on there in the middle of winter, uh, wouldn't necessarily ripen anyway. So it's probably not going to hurt to give it a prune right now uh, and then prepare it for, you know, September, October when they naturally come back into uh, fruiting and flowering okay all right now and the main thing with having a potted citrus tree is they're very heavy feeders so you need to be feeding them you know three to four times a year with a slow release fertilizer Um, there's a product called sudden impact out there it's actually for roses but uh, uh, really fantastic on uh, lemon trees or citrus trees because they have you know the same sort of requirements Uh, it's slow release and very safe to use so if you can get some of that sudden impact a, a great idea to use that three or four times a year on your potted lemon tree
3: Okay, I will get that. Um, so will I give it a feed now? Uh,
0: like, look, give it a
3: light prune and then give it a
0: feed? Yes, you can You can certainly do that. Uh, with the lemon tree, you want to keep the nutrients up to it constantly. You don't want to let it get tired and hungry and start to yellow off and, uh, you know, yep. it drops its fruit and thing. You just want to keep that nutrient level up there like a, a maintainer, I guess. Yep, okay. All
3: okay. right, thank you very much.
0: Thank you for the call, in. Have a nice afternoon.
3: You too. Bye. Bye.
0: Cheers, thanks. I think we've got time
1: for maybe one more call. We've got Rod from the Garden Suburb and he's got a question about lavender. He's
0: from the perfect place. Rod, how can we help you? You know, I want to
4: cut it back, but the flowers don't seem to ever want to die off
0: yeah always a problem always a problem with lavender uh the other thing with lavender is if you are going to give it a, a prune back mate don't uh give it one that's too heavy i would say a third of the plant maximum once you start going into the you know the old you know woody part of the lavender if you prune back into that that's when they uh turn up their their toes and and cark it on you so uh, just be careful about the way you're pruning it a light prune back's the best way to go
4: yeah but- do it any time because of the flowers not packing
0: it. Or yeah, look, you just have to pick a pick a time and go for it. Now's probably a good time, uh, in that uh, you know most lavender are going to flower uh, once we get August, September, October. So you want to prepare it now for uh, you know a whole lot of nice flowering. Of course, it'll flower mostly on the new growth. So if you prune it now. Uh, once we get to those early spring months, you'll get some new growth coming on there. And then from that, uh, you'll get a whole lot of nice flowering. You'll keep it nice and fresh and, and tender as well. But, mate, main thing, do not prune back uh, into that uh, old wood.
4: Yep. No, I'm with you on that, mate. Okay. I'll give it a head tomorrow afternoon.
0: Thank you. Okay. Good on you, Rod. Thank you for the call, mate. Thanks, mate.
1: Bye. Okay. Cheers. Jeez, thanks, Rod. Scott Sharp, we are almost out of time for another week.
0: Oh, no. It goes so quickly. It does. It flew by today. Yeah, it did. It did. Great callers, and that's a really wonderful thing. Exactly right. We get these great calls, time flies by. I do. Scott Sharp, anything you got before we go? I was going to uh, very quickly talk about fennel.
1: Yes. Because I had that, that in, uh,
0: in some dinner last night. Jeez, you're a very culinary person. Well, I did. We had some mackerel last night. It was all very, very nice. Right. Yeah, and we had the fennel with that, but it's uh, look a very easy plant to grow. The trouble is, it is sort of considered a little bit of a, a weed here. So, if you were going to grow it, you need to do it in a big contained sort of pot uh, here in Australia. Um, it has sort of it's because it's so easy to grow, it's naturalised itself uh, all the way around the world. Um, we eat the fennel seed. We crush that up and use that in our spices. Now uh, we also use the bulb mostly in cooking. I think it's become almost a little bit more popular um, than it was because it was considered a weed. I remember where I used to live in uh, Merriweather up on the Glebe. The whole park just used to be full of it back in the day. Uh, it's probably still lurking in under there, waiting to come back. So uh, yeah, look, we might even talk about it in a little bit more detail next week. Yeah, the more details next week. Yeah. Okay. And oh, you'll have Jude next week. Oh, okay, and Judy Sharpie next week. Yeah, we'll have to remind
1: her to talk about fennel if we will do that.